Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Hello, loyal listener. So glad to have you back. Last episode, I mistakenly said there was only one episode of the Mod Pod left for the year. My bad, I meant there was only one issue of Mod left this year. After this year episode, you will still have one more to look forward to next month. And that's a fact. What I wasn't wrong about was the fact that the November-December cover focus is on the business of running an optometric practice. Let's start at the beginning of even having a business with Melanie Denton Dombrowski's article on how to open a practice cold. She's the owner of Salisbury Eye Care and Eyewear in Salisbury, North Carolina, a practice she started cold. After five years of working for other optometrists, who, by the way, had amazing practices, I decided to go out on my own. I tried to buy one or two existing practices, but quickly found that the costs were higher than I was willing to pay. So I started my own practice. I was equal parts terrified and exhilarated at the prospect, but I can now tell you that I only wish I had done it sooner. I would argue that the most important part of this entire process of starting cold and what has set the stage for my success in practice five years later was the work that was done in the year prior to starting cold. Yes, the decisions about layout and equipment are important. Yes, each and every examination and experience and job hire is important. But if you start with a really good foundation, you'll emerge successful in your own eyes. And isn't that what really matters anyway? In this article, I offer tips for starting your own practice from scratch based on what worked for me. You will have a lot of decisions to make as you embark on starting your own practice from scratch, but ultimately, once you've determined your why, you'll always be able to use that along with your core values to make sound decisions for you. Here's some homework. Read Start With Why by Simon Sinek or watch his TED Talk. From there, start to ruminate on your own why. Why do you want to start your own practice? What do you want your practice to be known for? Whom will it serve? How would you describe your ideal patient? What do they do for a living? Where do they live? What do they worry about? Once you've started to build this dream picture of what your practice can be, you'll be able to make the myriad of decisions to come. Here are two examples of questions that your personal why can answer for you better than I can. Should I buy an OCT right away? If it aligns with your why and your practice mission, then yes. Are you building a medical practice and planning to have a large glaucoma patient population? Does your demographic research support the need for an OCT? If it makes sense for you, then do it. Should I open on Saturday mornings? For me, a core value is family, and family time is important to me. I've been known to say I didn't start my own practice to have to work on Saturdays. Because being open on Saturdays doesn't align with my core values, 
this question gets a no answer from me. Another big advantage of taking the time to determine your why and your values is that it will help you to be consistent as a leader, and you'll therefore find that it's easier to build your team. At the beginning, as I was building my true core values, I showed some inconsistency in my leadership, and this was reflected in my team. I've since refined and clarified my mission, which keeps my decisions and attitude consistent and is reflected in my team. Find your why and your core values, and you'll be well on your way to making decisions that build the practice of your dreams and define your version of success. By no means do you have to have zero debt to start a practice, but having a handle on your financial situation is a must. I spent a lot of time cutting costs in the year before my launch, and I did my best to pay for as many practice expenses as possible instead of financing. In the end, I financed only large purchases, including equipment, frames, optical shelving and furniture, computers, and our computer system. My practice broke even and was even profitable in the first month because I had few expenses. In addition to my practice, I do work as a speaker for pharmaceutical and contact lens companies, and I found that with one or two speaker events a month and one to two fill-in days per week, I had more than enough to cover personal expenses and give me a little spending money. The practice was extremely lean at that time with just one employee, an old school recall system, postcards, and lots of cheap do-it-yourself and free marketing. Starting lean is extremely helpful, and if done right, it can help you jumpstart your cold start practice. Another tip is to get comfortable with your personal and projected practice expenses. One of the best tools with which to approach a bank for financing is a projected revenue workbook for the next one to two years, known as a pro forma. With my personal debt paid down significantly, a well-thought-out practice financial projection in hand, and my business plan, I found that financing was not difficult to obtain. In fact, I was able to get multiple quotes and shop around for the best loan deal. I purchased a large binder with dividers, and in the front, I created a master startup checklist. This planning kept me together and allowed me to get a sense of where I stood on the big items. Categories for a checklist include insurance credentialing, equipment purchases, optical setup, acquiring frames, choosing a lab, and one primary lens company, creating easy-to-use packages, and office build-out. When I was starting my practice, I used to say that each individual component wasn't particularly difficult, it's just that there were a lot of things happening at once. In the beginning, you'll be rich in time. Use this time to develop your systems. You'll inevitably go through some employees, especially at the beginning, and it's helpful to have scripts and systems in place for how you want everything in the office to be done. Examples, answering the phone scheduling appointments, performing workups, optical check-in of glasses, and dispensing glasses. These systems will define the care your patients receive. This will be the best time you've ever spent as you'll reap the rewards of your systems in three to five years. 
I was obsessive about my systems and now I walk into the optical and see my team performing certain tasks and I say, how do you know how to do that? That's just how I would have done it. In the year that I started the practice, my focus was on name and brand recognition. You could have found me at every event in town that year. My face was everywhere and so was my logo. I had cheerleaders at all the local high schools throwing out footballs with my logo. People were fanning themselves with a fan with my logo at the local 4th of July extravaganza. If you're starting cold, my advice is to have a strong digital presence, including your website and social media. Beyond that, put in the work with your community, partner with local boutiques, support local causes, and make your face and brand known. Survey your market and get a good sense of what you're offering that the other docs in the community aren't. What type of patient is searching for a doc like you? After you've built awareness of your brand, it will be time to start drilling down and letting people know what you can do for them. There's no greater satisfaction than creating something amazing from your own simple idea. It truly blows my mind that five years ago, I was afraid that nobody would come see me. And now we're highly successful and have more than 120 five-star Google reviews. If you have that pull in your soul to start something of your own, I'm here to tell you it's not only possible, it's really awesome. What did you think of Dr. Dombrowski's advice? Has it stirred an interest within you to start something of your own? Or are you already a practice owner, but you could use some help finding ways to bring new business to your office? Then you're in luck because Jessalyn Quint, owner of Smart Eye Care in Augusta, Bangor, and Farmingdale, Maine, is about to share five tactics to sustain your practice's growth, success, and relevance. Shifts happen. Change is inevitable. COVID-19 threw us all a few unexpected curveballs, and now many of us are trying to think of ways to maximize profits to offset the unpredictable nature of the pandemic. Regardless of how big or small your practice, bringing in new patients or business is never a bad idea. Here are five ways to bring new business to your practice to sustain your growth, success, and relevance. Number one, address the niche markets. A unique thing about eye care is that the profession is diverse and full of opportunities to expand clinical or optical services. Like many professions, eye care is also trending slowly towards specialization, which means there are opportunities to add new depth to a general eye care practice or create an entirely separate specialized practice. Adding niche offerings can address specific needs that fill gaps for patients already in your practice and also easily drum up new business or patients. Clinical specialty additions can include myopia control, vision therapy, specialty contact lenses, a dry eye treatment center, sports vision, ocular aesthetics, neurooptometry or rehabilitation, pediatrics, geriatrics, and low vision. Many clinical specialty additions have low startup costs and don't require extensive addition of new equipment or technology straight out of the gate. If you're not sure where to start, just pick an area that you're interested in or are passionate about. To get started, research and read up on the latest trends in that specialty and reach out to colleagues involved in that specialty for guidance. 
most eye care professionals are more than willing to help a colleague if asked. Also, in an age in which information is at our fingertips, it is now easier than ever to find continuing education, specialty conferences, or other eye care providers who are experts in your topic of choice. Optical specialty editions are another option. These can include virtual consultations with an optician, new frame lines aimed at reaching a new demographic, or hobby eyewear, such as prescription ski or swim goggles. Consider the needs of your current patients and identify those that are not being met. If you're not sure, ask them or survey patients or community members to get real-time feedback. Once you have established your new niche offering, be sure to advertise it so that everyone will be aware of your specialty expansion. Number two, partner with a business. Think about businesses in your area with customers that you wish you had as patients. Then consider teaming up with them to cross-promote each other. This could be as simple as advertising each other's services or partnering to host an event, whether it's virtual or in person, a giveaway or a contest. Create a buzz. If your practice is focused on sports vision, for example, consider partnering with a local gym or a sports team to promote an advantageous athletic connection. If you have a unique optical boutique, consider approaching a local wine bar to hold a tasting event showcasing trendy frames paired with wines. Collaboration can often lead to a wider patient or customer base. Get creative, think outside the box, and don't be afraid to try something new. The opportunities are endless. Number three, make a splash in your community. An impactful way to increase awareness of your practice or brand is to become involved in the local community. Increasing awareness about your brand will ultimately bring new business to your practice and over time can make you a local household name. That type of recognition has significant long-term value for everyone, especially your business. This goal can be achieved by volunteering, connecting with community leaders, or sponsoring local events or causes. If you're new to a community, start simple. You can join the local Chamber of Commerce, networking groups such as the Business Networking International, or service organizations such as the Lions Club International, Kiwanis International, or Junior League. From there, you can focus on local groups that align with your personal interests or your business brand. It's important to have a presence so that when people in your community think of eyes, they think of you. Number four, embrace social media. The term social media has become ubiquitous. It encompasses many platforms that provide unique opportunities for eye care individuals to engage with current patients, future patients, or their local community. Social channels offer easy and cost-efficient avenues to tell people who you are and what your clinical or optical services are that you provide. If your marketing or advertising budget is tight, consider using social media as these platforms can be inexpensive yet very effective modalities to showcase your practice. Popular social media platforms include Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, and Pinterest. Each tends to have a different audience demographic, which means you have the opportunity to connect with multiple patient demographics to bring new business to your current practice. Social media content should be unique, fresh, organized, and aligned with your practice goals. 
in a consumer-driven market, patients want to engage with their eye care providers in the online space, and they often make that connection before they even set foot in your office. Patients also prefer to work with brands they know and trust. A great way to showcase your brand is through a social media platform that aligns with the type of client you want to bring to your practice. Number five, focus on the patient experience. Nothing brings a new business faster than referrals, especially word-of-mouth referrals. To guarantee you will have patients talking, focus on creating a patient experience that will shatter patients' expectations. The little things, such as communication, quality of care, patient education, office aesthetics, and every touch point or hand-off encounter in the office are important in the patient experience. Communication between your practice and the patient begins when the appointment is made and continues through pre-testing, the examination, the optical, and checkout. Put yourself in a patient's shoes and do a health check of your practice to see what your current patient experience is like. Sometimes, small changes make a lasting impression. If you have happy patients, don't shy away from asking them to post a positive review or to refer their friends and family members to you. How's that for some helpful advice? Think you wanna try any of Dr. Quint's tactics in your own practice? If her article left you wanting more ways to draw attention to your practice, then just wait to hear what's next after this short break. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in optometry. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Okay, where were we? Oh, right. You were just about to listen to some top tips for developing a practice marketing plan from Jason Compton. He's the owner of Compton Eye Associates in New York and the owner of therightcontact.com. Here he is to tell you how to use both internal and external strategies to reach your goal. Whether you're opening up something new or trying to reinvent your existing practice after COVID-19, an effective marketing plan can be vital in your overall success. Is your practice currently following a marketing plan? In my experience, many practices fail to plan a specific marketing strategy. Whether this is due to lack of awareness or other factors, I'm here to tell you that with a plan, there is much that you can do even without a huge time or financial investment. So where do we start? There are so many options out there, so this process can be a bit overwhelming. My aim in this article is to provide you with a basic framework, quick action items, and the confidence to get started immediately on a plan for your practice. All marketing efforts can be divided into two general categories internal and external. Internal marketing is marketing to existing patients or those who have already come in contact with the practice. External marketing is targeting new patients, basically targeting those who know nothing about you. Communication with your referring doctors is extremely important. Sending messages about their patient's progress is not only helpful, but it keeps you on their radar when future potential referrals arise. Fortunately, with computers and electronic health record systems, we no longer need to put pen to paper. The letter writing process can be completely automated. Quick tip. Review your current EHR system for letter templates. 
confirm that your system can auto-populate the assessment and plan, as well as the referring doctor's contact information. Be sure the system is connected to your fax number so that sending letters does not become burdensome and is nothing more than just a few clicks within the EHR. Patients can easily spend 20 minutes or more in your waiting area, although in the current era, this may not be the case. This is a captive audience that we must recognize. Artwork and televisions showing the news are taking up valuable real estate on your walls. Signage in this area should be educating patients on your products and services. Quick tip. Download YouTube videos that discuss products or services that your practice offers. Put these on an SD card with other fun videos, comedy shorts, optical illusions, etc. Once you have two or three hours of content, you now have your own TV channel that you can loop on your waiting room TV. There are different ways to define a high-value patient. He or she may be a patient who spends a lot of money in your office, a patient who frequently visits for therapeutic reasons, or a patient who has been with the practice for many years. Regardless of how you define high-value patients, you should spend extra effort to make sure these patients feel appreciated and valued. Quick tip. Once a month, take an hour to write handwritten thank you postcards to a group of high-value patients identified by your office staff. Mass media marketing is the traditional or historical form of reaching new patients. This type of marketing includes radio, print, and television advertising. Mass media marketing does not require the potential customer to do anything other than see or listen to your advertisement. These types of ads require a lot of repetition and can be costly. Quick tip. Over the next few days, pay close attention to advertisements you see on TV or hear on the radio. Note if any of your local competitors are advertising on these platforms. If so, consider contacting these types of media outlets as this may be an effective form of marketing in your area. Social media platforms allow you to connect with potential audiences in order to drive traffic or help build your brand. There are multiple social media platforms and each offers its own way of getting you in front of your target audience. Although basic marketing efforts on social media involve no cost, an effective campaign often requires financial investment. Quick tip. Don't try to be all things to all people on social media. Think of a specific service or product you want to market and define what the average target patient looks like. Knowing your target audience will help you know on which social media platform you should focus your attention. Understand that Facebook traditionally has high earner user base. The majority of Instagram users are millennials and Gen Zs. Women vastly outnumber men on Pinterest and LinkedIn users are generally well-educated. Using influencers is an effective way of leveraging someone else's popularity as a way of promoting your own products or services. This technique depends on the concept of social proof. Although the potential customer you wish to reach may not know anything about you, they may be more willing to try your products and services when they know someone whom they trust is endorsing you. Quick tip, find friends or family members with a good following on Instagram. Ask them to post a picture of themselves in your office. Make sure they tag your office location. Like influencers, many large organizations have large followings. If an organization is comfortable associating itself with you, obtaining its endorsement can be an effective way to expand your network. Quick tip, reach out to a vendor you 
work with for an endorsement. Get that company to list your practice on its website as an authorized dealer. Positive involvement in your community not only showcases your good character, it also potentially opens you up to new patients. When you attend travel events in your community, be genuine. Yes, your efforts may potentially drive traffic to the office, but your primary goal should be to give back by participating in these events. Quick tip, offer free vision screenings to a local school or Little League sports team. There are so many ways to effectively market your practice. Like anything else, a good plan is a good first step to success. Hopefully this article has provided you with some helpful tips for creating an effective marketing strategy. Good luck. That was a lot of amazing information from Dr. Compton. If you're more of a visual person, check his article out online at modernod.com. Now let's move on to the final article of the episode on handling insurance and reimbursement difficulties with Rachel Rubel, owner of Belmont Eye in Belmont, North Carolina, and North Lake Eye in Charlotte, North Carolina. Medical insurance, health maintenance organizations, preferred provider organizations, exclusive provider organizations, point of service plans, high deductible health plans, health savings accounts, vision insurance, discount plans. Are you confused yet? In order to see a patient in network, you must be credentialed with each plan under each carrier. Each health plan has different copays, deductibles, and out-of-pocket maximums, making it difficult to know what a patient owes for the services provided. Moreover, it can be frustrating to receive an explanation of benefit, which is a denial, a reimbursement that is lower than expected, or to find out that insurance carriers mailed the check to the patient instead of to your practice. The hours that your staff spends on hold or being transferred from one person to the next add to the frustration, and all of this raises one very big question. Why even take insurance? The answer lies in the numbers. In 2019, the estimated U.S. population was 330 million, 59 million of whom were covered by Medicare. According to the CDC, 12.1% of the U.S. population 65 years of age and younger was uninsured in 2019. In other words, most potential patients have insurance and want to use it. In order to survive, most eye care practices must participate with insurance plans. So how do you work with insurance companies and handle the problems that arise? Following is some advice on navigating three of the most common issues that optometric practices face. Number one, too many practices on the panel in my area. One common issue keeping optometrists from getting credentialed for an insurance plan is too many local practices already on the panel. The COVID-19 pandemic is increasing the demand for health care. Contact network management through the insurance company and ask them to reconsider credentialing because of the current need. Another worthwhile step is to send a letter appealing the decision. In it, state how you can benefit the panel. For example, if your practice offers extended office hours or weekend appointments, make that known to the insurance company. If you offer a niche service or have high credentials, 
let the insurance company know. If your area is underserved, then the insurance company may see value in admitting your services. Do some research on your area and determine where you stand. Reach out to your state association and or society to find out if it can assist you or if there's a contact for the specific insurance company to whom you could appeal. Another option is to contact your state department of insurance or your insurance commissioner. Number two, reimbursement schedules. It is possible to negotiate reimbursement schedules with insurance companies. Most practices will conquer the credentialing and start seeing patients as soon as possible at the reimbursement schedule that is offered in an initial contract. Remember to read the entire contract from the insurance company before signing it. This means having new patients receive treatment and services at potentially lower rates in the beginning. Once your practice becomes established, it is time to review the initial contract's reimbursement schedule. The cost of living increases each year. Why shouldn't reimbursement increase as well? Disclosure, I have negotiated with every health plan that I accept at my offices and have successfully renegotiated reimbursements with several of these plans. The first thing you need to know is the usual, customary, and reasonable rate in your geographic area. This amount is a paid for a medical service in a certain area based on what providers charge for the same or similar medical service. UCR, or usual customary rate, charges are not regulated by state or federal agencies, but Medicare publishes Medicare allowable UCR fee schedule. Contact network management to ask how to discuss a change to the reimbursement schedule. Some health plans require a written request, whereas others allow discussion over the phone. Building a relationship and finding common ground with the payer set the stage for a productive conversation. You must make clear the value that your practice brings to these insurance networks. An increase in reimbursement rates is not guaranteed, but success is more likely if you lay out your strategy ahead of time and support it with data. Can you document growth in the numbers of the clinicians and of patients seen over time in practice and an increase in claims from your practice? Can you speak knowledgeably about a shortage of eye care providers in your area? Does your practice offer services in multiple language or offer extended hours? Number three, denials or claims not paid correctly. Receiving an explanation of benefit can be frustrating. Payers assume, often correctly, that a practice cannot afford to have staff spend hours on the phone trying to resolve incorrect claims. Is it worth spending an hour to get the $20 owed on a claim? Tackle one health plan at a time and have ready the appropriate information on all claims being asked about when an agent answers the phone. Document every phone call with the date and time, the customer service agent's name and badge ID, the reference number for the call, and details of the call. Treat the agent with respect. Keep your cool and establish a relationship with the agent so that you can reach out to him or her via email. It is possible that the insurance company simply must reprocess the claim. Alternatively, 
it might have been billed incorrectly and a corrected claim is required. If your attempts to resolve the billing dispute or denied claim informally through phone calls or written letters fail, you'll have to file a formal appeal with the health insurer. Every plan handles appeals differently, so it is important to learn the process for each plan. Dealing with insurance companies may seem like a daunting task. As my grandfather used to say, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. It helps to break the process down into small tasks. Even if you're not a practice owner, we hope you agree there's still plenty of useful pearls to be taken from this episode. If you want to see these articles in their full glory with sidebars, artwork, etc., don't forget to check out the November-December issue online at modernod.com. Enjoy your fall holiday in whatever form it takes. We'll be back next month with the last issue of 2020, for real this time. Hope you join us. Take care, stay safe, and be well.